know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 169. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, and I'm here back with one of my favorite people, Anna Schramm. So hi, Anna. Hey, Celia. How are you? Good. And so you are here to talk about what took place at our 19th annual International Human Trafficking and Social Justice Conference. It's a global conference. So tell us first, how many people came to the conference? Yeah, well, it's been about a month and I'm still recovering, not uh, entirely done with anything, everything. But yeah, so at our main conference, we had 1,400 attendees over those three days, which is amazing. And just at this conference alone, we had those attendees were from 43 states and 20 countries. So I just think it's so cool that people from all of those places around the world were attending this three-day conference all at the same time, listening to the same presenters, talking to each other either on Zoom or in our conference web app. So um, we did have a couple um, new countries that were represented. So it brings our um, overall numbers over the past 19 years. We've already had people from all 50 states. We reached that number a couple years ago, which was exciting. Um, but now we're up to an even 50 countries. So we've got 50 states, 50 countries. Um, We're over one fourth of the way to reaching all of the countries. So um, how many countries are there? They're like almost, I think it's 193, um, I believe. So yeah, over, over 25% of the countries now have attended our conference, which is super exciting. I love seeing those numbers grow every year. So yeah, it was definitely a success this year. That's very cool. Do you remember just off the top of your head, what new country, just name one new country that. Oh my gosh, you are testing me. (laughs) I don't know if I can name it off of the top of my head, but if you give me a second, I can open up my document. Okay. So some of the new ones we had this year, uh, was Belize, um, Tanzania, And the, the Gambia or the Gambia. Um, so those were our three new countries this year. That's awesome. And so, um, we also had a high school summit just for high school, the full day, just for high school students. And that's usually, it occurs the day before our Mm -hmm. formal conference proper. And so that blew up this year too. So how many students did we actually have live that day? And then across the year, how many people will watch what happened at the conference? 
Yeah. So we had 400 students who registered to attend that live um, summit on the day before the conference. It was a very fun day. It was kind of just like a little mini version of the conference. We had some really great speakers and very interactive things, some different uh, quizzes and things that were going on throughout the day, interactive stuff for the kids. Um, So 400 live and then um, over a thousand kids are going to watch or high school students are going to watch the recordings of those sessions either over the course of the semester, the course of next year. Um, We work with um, somebody at the Toledo Public Schools who is getting those recordings into all of the sophomore health classes. So um, really exciting stuff. It was, we, I understand that, you know, not all high schools are able to take time during the school day to attend the virtual summit live. So um, yeah, recording that and offering that for those schools to incorporate in their classes. And then they're able to use a little bit more time, maybe like break the session up into like a week long and like talk about it here and there. So um, yeah, really exciting stuff with that. We also had um, with those 400 live um, students from eight states who attended. So we've been reaching more states with our high school summit. So that's very exciting. We had um, some strong representation from Kentucky and New Jersey specifically this year that I remember. So um, yeah, just love being able to expand that as well. Yeah, that's almost just shy of 3,000 people participated across that. Yeah. That's very cool. And so people wanted to get their high schools involved, even, you know, if they can't watch, like you said, on the same day, but maybe they can watch during the year. Should they register with you early before September so that they can get access to this like next year? Yeah, so we do not make those recordings of the high school summit publicly available, um, you know, just for privacy reasons. And, you know, we kind of want to be able to keep track of who's watching it. So, yes, you um, do have to still register for the high school summit, even if you can't attend live. But then that will put you on my list that I can keep track. And then you'll get the recordings of those to be able to show those in your classrooms. Awesome. So if people wanted to get on the mailing list now uh, or the high school day or even to learn information about the conference, maybe they didn't know about it or they missed it. How can they get on the mailing list so that they don't miss it next year? Yeah, you can just email me at traffickingconference at gmail.com and I will put you on our mailing list and then you can get all of the um, notifications when either applications are open or registration is open so then you won't miss our next one. Yeah, before we talk about the act- what happened at the actual conference, I, I just want to point out this year we also, as we have in years past, at the high school summit did our um, art competition. And are we going to be bringing back the poetry slam that we some? Yes. Good. Yeah. So um, for the past four years, we have had some sort of art competition, poetry slam combination. Um, this year, we only had 
art submission. So we didn't have a poetry slam, but we would love to bring back poetry for next year. So high school students um, who are interested are encouraged to submit. If you want to know more about that, again, you can email me at traffickingconference at gmail.com. So um, they we have a little competition or preview of all of the pieces the week before the high school summit where the students get to either present their artwork or, um, you know, present their poem or spoken word. We have some judges remarks and we give our feedback and then at the high school summit, all of the students who are attending uh, vote on the piece that they like the most. And so there's a judge's vote and a popular vote that are combined. And then the winner of each category actually gets a $300 grand prize. So um, it's pretty, it's a pretty good thing, pretty enticing. So I think more students would want to get involved if they knew, especially about that grand prize. So help us get the word out there. We will be doing it again next year. Not exactly sure of the dates, but if you email me, I can definitely um, provide you more information when the time comes. Yeah, I think if we start thinking about it now and Mm -hmm. maybe even share this episode out with teachers, you know, or people that are involved in after school programs with young people, I think it's a cool way to get them interested in learning about human trafficking and human rights and, and, and maybe an opportunity to showcase their talent. So that's really cool. So now let's talk about what happened at the conference proper this year. So we had an amazing time. I'm always inspired when I just see people signing on to the virtual conference from all across the U.S. and around the world. And people just start talking to each other, chatting, um, and then they go off into their sessions. How many sessions did we offer this year? We had the most sessions we've ever offered. We had 110 sessions, breakout sessions, those not including the networking sessions, not including our morning welcome and wrap up, but just 110 breakout sessions that people could attend. And that is a lot of great content in those. Yeah. for And I mean, the price is fairly reasonable. How much did we charge this year? Uh, this year, we charged $225 for the three days. Wow. And not only that, but they also got access to watch, right? And listen to it after the conference. Like, how did that work? Yeah, that worked really well. Um, When I was looking through some of the evaluations, people definitely mentioned that as one of the things that they liked a lot. Um, We let people have access to watch the Zoom recordings on demand of all the presentations for three weeks after. And so they had access to, if they wanted to watch all 110, they could. And they still had access to the presenter's PowerPoints um, and any handouts to download and keep those if they wanted. Um, So yeah, people People really liked being able to use that and then kind of maybe go back on some of the sessions that they tuned into, but maybe missed out on a piece or if there was another session they really wanted to attend during the same time. Um, So yeah, people really liked that. Yeah, I love that too, because as I'm driving, like I would drive out of town to Mm. different places, I would just put a session on and just listen to it. Um, yeah, I was sad to see it go away, but having three weeks of an opportunity, you know, to do that is amazing. So what did people say that they liked about coming to the conference? Do you have some of the evaluation, um, quotes? Yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, first, um, 
I do want some of the things that people did like right off the bat were our celebrity speakers. I think that was a huge highlight of the conference because there's so many great things that happened. And so we kind of forget that we had Corey Feldman and Chris (laughs) and Kai Zenbickle and um, Jeff Janney, uh, who spoke during the main uh, morning welcome at our conference. So people loved hearing from them just because there's these, you know, big name people who could be doing whatever they want with their time, but have chosen to, um, you know, back up and, you know, uh, be an advocate for those who don't have a voice. And so it's people really liked that. I don't know how we're going to outdo ourselves for next year, but we'll, no we'll find a way. But, but, if, but um, if, if it sounds familiar, Chris Hansen, you know, national journalist, with Dateline, Corey Feldman, mega child star, star of the 80s, Stand By Me, Goonies. Though, so if you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, I know those names. That's who they were. And they were at our conference. I don't know what we're going to do next year. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe we'll have them back because they did. Uh, yeah, yeah. They are s- still involved in the movement. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll they can connect us to somebody else. So we'll Absolutely. we'll find something good. But um, people also liked this year. We had a new feature in our conference web app, um, which was our conference directory and messaging feature. So um, attendees could opt into this where they're basically like kind of like online profile was available to see like other attendees could look them up with like their picture, where they were from, uh, what they did, a little bio just to see who else was attending the conference. You know, it's not in person, it's virtual. So this is kind of a way to personalize it a bit more. And then people were able to message each other back and forth. So people also really did like that. And I think it's just another great way for people to network and connect. And um, so that I really love that aspect too. Yeah, that was really a great added feature. And so what else did people like besides the celebrities and that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, I did pull some quotes and we actually had um, our Lucas County Human Trafficking Coalition meeting earlier this week. And there was, um, Celia, I'm going to paraphrase it as maybe you can help uh, remind me, but there was a member of the coalition and she has been going to conferences for probably at least the last like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And she said something, you know, she's been to so many conferences and this one was by far her favorite that she has been to. To, and that like that was very meaningful. She just I, she didn't say specifically what, but just like the session she attended, she just said it was her favorite. And then um, I also received an email earlier this week from a survivor presenter. Mm-hmm. And this stuck out to me, this, you know, it just makes it all worthwhile. So she said, um, I just wanted to let you know how impressed I am by the wonderful courtesy, professionalism, sensitivity, open-mindedness and compassion shown to me and my fellow presenters at the conference this year by you and your team. I am amazed at your ability to pull this conference off with such grace. Thank you for creating such a powerfully enlightening and healing gift to the world. And that 
was just so powerful to me and it stuck with me. And that's truly what we're trying to do, especially for our survivors who are attendees, our survivors who are presenters. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad that, you know, that's what we aim for. And I'm glad that we succeeded in that. Um, So that just stuck out to me and I wanted to share it. Yeah, that's Um, beautiful. We should put that on our website for sure, because I know. Yeah, that's like she she captured it beautifully, I think. Yeah. And it was also, yeah, very well, well written as well. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so a couple, oh, go ahead, Celia. No, no. Tell me some more. Tell me some more. I want to hear all good things. <laughs> I know. I want to hear you. So um, yeah, some of the other quotes, um, these are just from anonymous attendees who completed our um, overall evaluation. One person said, I very much appreciated the inclusion of speakers and survivors from circumstances outside of what is typically acknowledged when human trafficking is discussed. There is a very narrow scope of discussion and understanding of what human trafficking is and the sessions about sex trafficking, ritual abuse, and mind control programming were extremely informative and necessary to address. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. We have, yeah, started to include non-typical experiences of trafficking outside of, you know, what is typically talked about in the media. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the ritual abuse, mind control, familial trafficking, we included a lot this year. So um, yeah, that I think, you know, it's, we expanded a lot in the topic Mm -hmm. areas, but also a lot of depth in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, we have beginner sessions and intermediate and advanced sessions. And that's, what's really rare. I think going to a human trafficking conferences, a lot of them are just beginner topics. And so we can go, you can go very nuanced at our conference. You can go see survivors speak, you can see researchers speak, you can see people running programs speak, and you can see it at different levels. If you are advanced, this is a conference where you can come and still learn things. I I learned uh, a lot of good things. And I think this is my, also my favorite um, year, my favorite conference. I loved the topics. One of my favorite um, presenters was um, Dwayne Heron. He, he's, his presentation, I think was one boy story. And he talked about, um, system um, imposed trauma Mm -hmm. where actual systems have uh, caused trauma. And, you know, when you think about it, you think about trauma-informed care, why did we come up with the need to be trauma-informed? Because we have traumatized people. And so um, I actually featured him recently on um, the podcast, but another one was Carolyn uh, Kinkoff, whose daughter was trafficked and ended up dying. And she told her story. Those were compelling. Usually I will hit a variety. Uh, thanks to you, Anna, I can now attend some of the sessions <laughs> <laughs> because you're handling all the back uh, channels. But um, usually I go to the research ones. I go to the ones about programming a lot, you know, but this year, like those two were really powerful and they really stood out to me. So those were really my favorites. And I know you still are at a point where you cannot attend the session. 
No, but I do kind of, you know, take in the information, you know, third party from people. So um, there are a couple other presentations that stood out as people's favorites. So um, Jessa Dillo Crisp, she was one of people's favorites. She had a session about familial trafficking. Again, you know, something that isn't necessarily talked about. Um, Melissa she talked about secondary traumatic stress, and I think that really hit home and struck a nerve in a lot of service providers who attend a conference. That's probably one of our biggest populations who come to the conference, our direct service providers. And so um, hearing from Melissa talk about secondary traumatic stress was, uh, yeah, very powerful for them. Um, Melania Brostowitz, she talked about trauma-sensitive social media Um you know, trauma sensitive social media campaigns when you're working as a nonprofit. And again, a lot of the attendees at our conference are coming from nonprofits and, you know, we're trying to piecemeal social media stuff here and there if they don't have yeah. a specific marketing person. And also trauma sensitive social media um, is also important, um, important aspect that I think people don't think about uh, when posting on social media. So that was also people's favorites. And then- yeah, Crystal Bennett, uh, she talked about human trafficking prevention through an anti-racist, anti-oppressive lens. And she oh, I did love that one. Yeah, she was another crowd favorite. Yeah, that was really good. And so um, if people are interested in presenting next year, because this is the place to be, if, if you missed it, now you know. You didn't know, now you know. Okay. Now you know. <laughs> so if people are interested in presenting next year, um, what do they need to do? Um, if you are interested in presenting, definitely email me. Again, that's traffickingconference at gmail.com so I can get you on that email list. Um, and we will have our um, open call for presentations. to sub um, You can submit those starting January 9th. Um, so if you email me now, I can get you on our email list. So then you'll get an email notification come January 9th. And then that will be open for about three months until... Um, uh, March 31st is when you can uh, submit to your presentation. Um, so yeah, you can either, if you don't want to email me, that's fine. Just remember come January 9th to go to our website. And if not reach out and um, I love receiving all of the abstracts. It's kind of my favorite time of the year is the spring when I just see all the presentation come in and kind of see how the conference is going to form and what's going to be our topic. So yeah, yeah excited we, to see what next year brings. Yeah, we'll have to have you remember to have you back on around January just to remind people yeah. their abstracts. And so here's the question, you know, of the day that everybody who goes to these virtual conferences asks: <laughs> Is the conference next year going to be virtual, in person, hybrid? What's it going to be? Um, so next year will be virtual. Um, we have not decided uh, exactly on the dates yet, um, but we will be doing that soon. And again, if you are on our email list, you'll get an email probably before the holidays of like a save the date. So you'll know exactly when it is. You can put it on your calendar, but we will be virtual, um, you know, after doing some thinking and talking um, just with our resources and looking at the pros and cons. Virtual is definitely 
our best uh, solution. We can reach so many more people, um, more countries, more individuals who would not be able to attend if it wasn't a virtual. So I know, um, you know, especially for our Ohio, Michigan folks that they would love to be in person, but for right now we will stay virtual. And I actually do have another um, quote, if you wouldn't mind me, that kind of ties into this um, of how the virtual conference uh, does really impact people. So um, an attendee said, the virtual options for attendance were the only reason I was able to participate. This is a hugely important aspect of keeping conferences accessible to disabled folks and other um, dozens of people who are limited by time, geography, family, or work responsibilities. There is no, uh, there is also no other conference that brings together academics and activists in this field in the same formalized way. As a person navigating both of these areas, I really appreciate seeing the difference in approaches during this information information sharing time. So, oh, um, wow. so yeah, I know we do get a lot of people who's like, I wish we go back in person, but we do also, on the other hand, have a lot of people on our evaluations say that I love the virtual format. I wouldn't have been able to attend if it wasn't for the virtual format. So um, just continuing to make it accessible in that way. Um, that is what uh, 2023 holds. And that's as far as I can see. I can't, I can't see farther than that, but yeah. Well, I think accessibility, that's so important. And I know some of us would like love to see each other and hug each other and be in the same room with each other. But if we just sacrifice a little bit, because there are countries that are third world countries that can't afford to participate if it's in person and we've been able to reach them. And it's so important that they get this information. Um, you know, and if we just think about the fact that we can have our pajama bottoms on and our house shoes on while we're learning, I mean, we just have to get comfortable with that because that's a pretty nice place to be. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down for the virtual next year. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. So, um, so any parting words before anything we need to know about this year's conference, except for, you know, if, if you weren't there, you really missed out. But anything, anything else that we need to share? Um, I don't think so. I may want to end just with another quote. I um, It's from a, an anonymous survivor attendee. And I think it kind of just pulls together everything. And uh, one of the reasons, well, the main reason why we do this work. So just um, would like to end with this. Uh, They said, I can't even begin to explain how healing and validating it was for me as a survivor to see several workshops on my specific types of extreme abuse, familial trafficking, ritual abuse, non-state torture. I am not alone. And all the presenting survivors managed to have hope. I sincerely cannot explain how deeply meaningful this conference was to me and to know that there are 1,400 other people in the world tuning in to learn more and to do their part to stop human trafficking. I'm just filled with so much gratitude and hope. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all who contributed to make this conference possible. You have changed my life for the better. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it it gives me chills. It kind of, yeah, makes my eyes a little misty. But like, that is why we, that is why we do this. I mean, I can't put it better myself, you know. Right. And that is why the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe 
and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.